0: Hey everybody, we are Martin, Robert, and Francis, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head, rent-free. Hey everybody, welcome to Snakes and Otters, time for episode 22. I'm Martin. I'm Francis. (laughs) And I'm Robert. So fellas, this is one of those episodes where I feel like I've come up with something and I'm putting you on the spot. Making you making you research something fun. Hey, we're supposed to do research? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going about
1: this all wrong. What? Are you telling me you didn't do the reading, sir? There's reading?
2: <laughs> and you see our problems, listeners. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, being exposed for the fraud you are. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh. oh, that's harsh, man. Oh. Nah.
0: All in fun, of course. So. In looking at some of the stuff for our last episode about John Milius, it struck me that film noir, classic Hollywood genre, is pretty interesting stuff that ought to be in our wheelhouse. Because they aren't adventure stories, but they are a glimpse into the same kind of... Of thing as Milius was interested in. That is, as, as Conrad would undoubtedly phrase it, a glimpse into the dark heart of oh well, a human yeah. person.
2: Apocalypse now certainly has a lot of those overtones uh, that goes with that. Uh, it's something that's very, very dark, but not gritty like you hear normally here today it's not, it's gritty is a
1: synonym. synonym. It's the same thing as a lot of violence, a lot of good guy gone bad kind of stuff. But yet this
0: film noir is not that. It's not that. I think, I think today the guide in movies like that, it's more nihilism. Yeah. Something like, I guess I've never watched them, but the purge film series is a nihilism. And that's not film noir. No, it's because there's a there's a you people get what they deserve in film noir. Generally, yes, that's, that's correct. That's part of the formula. Is even though it is what do we call it? There are three hallmarks: fatalism, pessimism, and menace. But one of the other hallmarks, or other parts of the genre, is in the end, some kind of justice is restored. Okay. Which, which is totally the opposite of nihilism, where there is no such thing. Right. And none of it matters. Right. Everyone's destroyed. So what? Right. Whereas The in whole this... universe is the Death Star. Right. Whereas in this case, in film noir's situation, there's always a moral. Yes. A cautionary tale? Sometimes. Yes. yes. Very often. They're a cautionary tale. So anyway, that's good. That's good stuff. But I think talking a little bit about film noir with some background and some examples are going to be important. And these are probably movies, you know, they're big to me. I don't know how big they are to you guys, but you've probably seen them. Yeah. You've probably probably liked them when you watched them. But film noir is an outgrowth of very stylish Hollywood dramas and... German expressionism from the interwar period. From the 20s and 30s. From the 20s and 30s. So you have to think about Germany is searching for itself. All of Europe is searching for itself after World War I. Uh, You you see this in other art. You've mentioned Kipling before, how his poetry changed after the war. When you think about all the poetry and all the art of the early 20th century, it's all a reaction to the devastation of World War One. Sure. I thought I mean, we weren't I, talking about World War One anymore. Yeah. No. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, my favorite poet's T. S. Eliot. Well, his he's he's a post war writer, and, and the wasteland is you know, that's an expression of that time period. This is too. Film noir begins to be that too, uh, even though it then moves into the thirties and forties and beyond. So some examples that I, I bet you guys have seen that you like, stuff like The Big Sleep mm-hmm. and my favorite, Double Indemnity.
1: Oh, yeah. Good one. Good one.
0: Which uh, Fred McMurray cast against type.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very much so. He was the, the
2: absent-minded professor. Yes. He's this a Disney b- guy, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is before uh, before My Three
0: Sons, but it was... Yeah. Yeah. Um, But between this film and then the Kane mutiny, he's cast as two very important jerks. Uh, And even more in Double Indemnity, he's cast as a chump, basically. Um, Double Indemnity is the story of where he meets a woman who wants to kill her husband. He's an insurance salesman. They want to take out a giant life insurance policy against her husband. And the Double Indemnity comes from the payouts double if it's an accident. Right. So they want to stage it to look like an accident. He's against it, doesn't think they can get away with it, but she sweet-talks him into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think
1: that's a euphemism.
0: Yes. It, yes. Well, that's Barbara con- Stanwyck's a- very first scene, she's wearing a towel and a smile. Mm-hmm.
1: And probably doesn't wear one of them for very long after <laughs> that.
0: Well, it is the 40s. Well, so, yes. Yes. Yes, but that's... It, it stakes out her ground very quickly, um, and she she appears to the insurance salesman who just knocked on her door in a towel. So
1: sounds like a reverse porno. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: it, it's it's bad people
2: have bad things happen to them, and bad thing it, it's bad got, things that bad people do have yeah have consequences. In many respects, I think you're right. The whole the whole post war attitude is is very much the genesis of this because we've seen bad things happen we can't make sense of uh, we want some justice we need yeah. some justice
1: and that's that really, where this goes is that really true so much in the 20s in the US though it was a very prosperous well, time but you have to remember though film noir came to its own in the 40s and
2: 50s yes it's it's more reaction it's more than reaction to world war 2 what grows out it, of it it, it, the it whole has to era. gestate it has to simmer for a while yes uh, uh, I, I think some of the postmodernist uh Works that come out along through here were laying groundwork. James Joyce's Ulysses comes to mind. Yeah. It's very much about the the absolute ridiculousness of life and how things just aren't worth much at all. And when things aren't worth much at all, it's easy to write off characters and show them in, in more immoral ways uh, as long as you've got a, uh, a good justice comeuppance in the end. Comics Code would have been the same way. You couldn't have shown this. You couldn't show certain sure. things, but eventually, they got rid of it because they said, "If we show it being
0: shown as bad, then we'll show it." Same type of thing. Here. And that factors in too, because obviously there's film censorship at so. this time, and films have to be submitted to the film censors, the studio people. They say, nope, cut that part out, nope, cut that part out. So Barbara right, We're not Stanwyck, talking
1: government censors. The film studios were censoring themselves. Uh, yes. Right,
2: because they knew that there would be pushback somewhere along the way. And they didn't want government censorship. They, right. they feared that that was a possibility. Right. The whole concept of, say that again, Barbara Stanwyck with nothing but a towel and a smile.
0: Yes, yes. That's, That's unheard of uh, to be able to do it, and yet they did. Yeah. So... Yeah, the, and, and the German tie and the post-war tie, again, is the visual style. Black and white, realism, limits on the escapism of the genre.
2: Okay. So, so what's the difference? So why is it? But it's not realism like we know realism today, as we've said. What is it that's unique about it?
0: The justice comes in in the end. Okay. In the end, like again, in, in as an example, Double, double Indemnity. indemnity yeah. uh, Fred McMurray shoots uh, Barbara Stanwyck, and Barbara Stanwyck shoots him. He stumbles Spoilers. back. Spoilers. He stumbles back to his office. Well, you it is a 70-year-old film. That's right. If you haven't seen it now, shame on you.
2: Go see it. <laughs> Even if you no, know no, what happens. No, it's, it's it's. No, it. I have. It's yeah. Just, you know, I would
0: know. say. Well, it's a, it's a great film. I'll just... He stumbles back to his office, and dictates a confession to his boss. His boss suspected this was a scam all along. He just didn't know who was involved, and it turned out to be basically his protege in the office was the was the culprit the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I think from the especially from the samples that we've cited. certainly I've not seen all of the, and I'm not real well versed in it, but several sort of the movies I know. There's always. clear sense of who's the good guy who's the bad guy and really mostly it's just who's the bad guy yeah because you could probably say that the good guy is the poor schlup who's been victimized in in some respects yeah so you know that certainly is going to play well with uh some of the other moral imperatives of the time you know Uh, especially as you get into the the latter half of the the time period when you're talking more of the 40s and 50s because, uh, you know, you come out of World War One, there's definitely a sense of we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And seeing that reinforced, uh, not that we needed a whole lot of examples of, you know, yeah, the good guys got theirs, but, you know, that's a message that that probably uh, just spoke to them exceedingly well at the time.
2: I think another thing about it, too, is the fact that there is no innocence to be found in film noir movies. If it's there, it's it's ridiculed and shown as, as something that doesn't get you very far. I think that's reflective of the world that these were made in, realizing we lost our innocence in these two world wars here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is there's The world is not a nice place. It's never been a nice place. And this stuff has always been going on. We just didn't
1: see
0: it. There's and always menace around the corner. That's exactly from, right. From nearly everyone. Yeah,
1: and that's why the style, while it's certainly not a big style, it does pop up now and again. And certainly these themes are going to continually pop up in in movies and literature. But partially that's because it's a lesson that I think any society forgets. Mm -hmm. The more prosperous you get, the more likely you are to forget that, as one philosopher said, that it is brutish, nasty, and short, meaning life.
2: Yes, well, I think my one of my favorite quotes on that is, when we talked about this earlier, is the, from the movie Excalibur, which is not a film noir by any means, but it's got one of the great lines delivered by Nicole Williamson in the line of, as in the character of Merlin. He says, it is the doom of men that they forget. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. We have to be reminded of certain things periodically. Mm-hmm. And this is just another way of doing
1: that. Yeah, and to go back to uh, some of the other episodes we've talked about, we're talking about cultural things. um, you know, this obviously would be speaking to a need in the culture and that's what the arts do mm-hmm. you know that's why they should they're spoke yeah, spo- yeah they, well yeah they, sometimes they lead uh, which some usually when they do i think they, i don't think they're as good but right. you know overall i think they tend to reflect more than push they're, they're best when they reflect most
2: yeah.
0: of the time 90 10 maybe but you know it's, it's interesting when you mentioned there are no good characters no innocent characters. No innocent. There characters. can
2: be heroes by any means, but the but that innocence me, cannot be afforded.
0: Yeah, in film noir. In in some way, it, it, it's a liability. Another another good example is Big Sleep. We talked about mm-hmm. uh, Humphrey Bogart as a hard boiled detective. He's certainly not innocent, right? But he ends up being the good guy. Sure, absolutely. And that's an, an interesting. But he was worldly, and that's what gave him his heroics.
2: That's what saved him because the innocent gets stepped on. They're, they're the yes. victims that get the, that uh, these nasty people always take advantage of. That's one of the moral lessons here. Yeah.
0: And it's an archetype that would carry through in the later films. Uh-huh. That, uh, Clint Eastwood made his whole career on that, the, the anti-hero. Right. The, the worldly, and I've seen a lot, don't push me. All right, you're going to push me? Okay. Now we're going to throw down. Hell's coming to breakfast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, from Josie Wales. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the big sleep is is a great one because again, you're absolutely right. There's no innocent character anywhere. Uh, even the characters that are on the side of good have their own shadows mm-hmm. and have their own
2: I mean, It's a, it's an evolution of storytelling in many ways because it really does add complexity and depth to High. characters. Hi. Huh. Hi. It's complex. It's compl- saw, hey, hey, Trevor Slattery. It's complicated. It's complicated. And, yeah, it really gives that depth to characters that, uh, if you think about it, it was very formulaic before then.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 be, it often it, is. Yeah. It often is, especially in the studio system. Well, that's the thing. The more and more I study about this stuff, and I don't mean to harp on it, but all good storytelling is formulaic of some kind. That's correct. There's a formula in there. That's right. It may be loosely followed, or it may be strictly followed. Yeah. But. It's there. Yeah, and I think when it's strictly
2: followed or where it's obvious, when you see the marionette strings, so to speak. When it's
1: smack, smack, smack in your face. That's right.
2: That's ridiculous. And people are insulted by it. And I think this film noir was a reaction to that. Let's do this nuance well, where we can tell that same story that we all want to hear, but we do it in a very different way. And we can do it in some subtle ways. That's very, yeah, exactly. Subtle, subtlety and nuance are very much the au revoir of film noir do you like that one pretty good. I like that oh, I you, that's, a, right. that's a
0: good word I like, you're always that good ten dollar word guy thank I you like sir I that. appreciate that but I want to it's I want to come back around and get your thoughts on one other aspect again we've talked about how it's a a view into the dark heart of a corrupted humanity but in the end there's justice mm-hmm but what defines justice in these films, and why can't we get there without going through all of this? Ah!
1: <laughs> Take it, sir. That is the heart of a good story. Yeah. Because for justice to have meaning in a story. Um because we all think we are owed some measure of justice because we are all the heroes of our own stories, right? Yes. That's right. But for a good story, for there to be justice, the hero or the victim, depending on how, you know, the film noir is going to play on this a little bit, uh, or at least the guy who's going to deliver the justice, um, there has to be a lot of peril. There has to be pain. There have to, has to be trials and tribulations. And all of us, have dark moments where we feel like we have trials and tribulations i think one of the things that makes film noir compelling is that all of us can in, on some level sympathize and empathize with the victims and we love it when the bad guy gets justice because i think it gives in, in its own oddly weird way it's a subtle Way of saying there's hope for you, you know. Bad guys get it in the end.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a commensurateness that has to happen in it's, film noir. The War. scales
0: have to be put back ba-
1: Exactly. So whatever bad
2: thing you do, it has to be commensurate the justice that you receive. Eye for an eye is not a bad way of putting it. They're looking for that type of parity uh, in solution here. So the more outrageous, the injustice, the more deep and resounding may be the scale balancing.
1: Yeah, you you have to. If you you can't start somewhere, uh, like on a high level or even on a low level, and just keep going down, 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 because on a gut level, we're we're waiting for it to turn around. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be redemption. Not not necessarily the because turn. that implies that the it has to be- person who is perpetrating the evil repents, and that doesn't usually happen. Right. right, film noir. You're, film right noir you're right. The film noir is very Old Testament. Oh, well, yes. that's very good. Yes, okay. that's
2: very good. Okay.
1: So, Old that's... Testament, while well, there is a lot about mercy in it, there's also a lot more justice in, in the Old harsh Testament. Harsh justice at times. And, and harsh, yeah. Uh, not that, you know, Jesus wasn't uh, against, you know, knocking over the money changers' tables and making a whip of cords and driving them out. But that's, you don't see that as a focus. You see, um, you see that that harshness in dealing with those who are evildoers in a in a much more explicit way, and I think mm-hmm. the film noir is very reflective of that.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's and
1: very and that's a it, it gives us a visceral thrill when evildoers get their comeuppance. Oh yeah. I mean, and it doesn't have to be film noir. You know, it, it just go back well. to Avengers Endgame because again, this is one of my favorite movies when Cap picks up that hammer and beats the crap out of Thanos for a few minutes. It's one of the greatest things because we see the hero giving the villain his comeuppance. Now, of course, all of the heroes have to have a part in that, in that particular movie. But it's still the same thing. And of course, Tony Stark makes the ultimate sacrifice. And if he does, if Thanos isn't killed in the end of that movie, what's the point and that's why yeah. there has to be justice in these. Because if you don't, what's the point? Yeah, we, People can live their own miserable lives. They don't need to go to a movie and watch it. <laughs> yeah. You have somebody else who's like, I already know this stuff. When's the good stuff going to happen? When's this guy going to get his comeuppance? That's right. You have I think that's have important.
2: That. We love the idea of Elijah coming into town with a great big stick and bringing a butt whooping with him. Now, that's, that's, that's straight out of the Book of Kings. But that's exactly what he does. And he puts up with no crap. Uh, in fact, I will submit to you that the only time that movies fail in this is when they don't give us some version of this. Uh, and I can get, and, and even though it was a popular movie, I'll give you the end of *Silence of the Lambs* when Anthony Hopkins' character Hannibal Lecter gets away. That was unheard of. You just didn't do that. The bad guy wins and comes back again. Well, it's because it's a reversal. It's taking it to go out from the other way around. Another great movie, and this is a reaching way back here. Do you remember the movie There Was a Crooked Man? It's a western no, from the no. late 60s. Kirk Douglas and Henry Fonda. Oh, Kirk boy. Douglas, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, And they he goes to prison, and he ends up manipulating everybody to get out to find his ill-gotten gains. And Henry Fonda, who's the warden, is the only one that is on to him. He follows him. And in the end, uh, Kirk Douglas betrays everyone to get out. It, but he has, he, he, hid, he hid his money in a rattlesnake pit. He opens it up and the rattlesnake bites him in the neck and kills him. Henry Fonda comes in and you find out he's been the guy that's manipulating him all along himself. He's the real bad guy. And he shaves his beard, takes the money, and rides off into the sunset. That's a subversion of this type of, a, of, a, of an approach here. Justice is sort of done, but it's never complete. And I think that's one of the things film Moore has. There's always something else out there. There's always it's always more complicated, it's more
0: complicated than we're making it out to be. So you guys have been knocking on the door where where I was going. So it's really good. Really, really good. But justice being Old Testament and redemption and mercy being New Testament. Yeah. Are 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 heading in the right direction because there's a to me, there's an old testament concept at the bottom of this. And that's the question of why do we have to go through all of this to get justice? Original sin. Well, that's, yes. that would be exactly it. So that's, we are a fallen people. We are a fallen people, which is always one of my things. Of, oh, yeah. There's a the universal why things, question. Yes. Yeah. Why, why do these things happen? Well, they happen because we're a fallen people. We that's are, right. We're imperfectible as a species. Yeah. It's not we, possible. We,
2: yeah, the doom, it's the doom of men that they forget. You think we'd learn by now. But we don't. We don't. It's... No. Every generation thinks it knows better. It won't happen to us. And we make the same mistakes over and over and menace over again. Menace can
0: be hardwired into our DNA, and we have to have justice eventually to remind us of our better angels.
2: Yeah. Well, but it's you know, the duality of our natures because we're yeah. not all menace, and we're not all good either.
1: Right. So I, I think you know one of the things we talked about earlier was how uh, stories, uh, and this might have been uh, during the show prep, Um, the essentials of what makes a good story are ingrained in almost all societies. It doesn't matter how uh, sophisticated they are or not. Uh, There's always a storytelling tradition, even if it's oral, and we all recognize when a story is good and bad. We may not be able to put our finger on what makes it bad or what makes it good, but we know when it's one or the other. Instinctively, yeah. And it it goes beyond cultural boundaries. And that's probably partially related to this. We all have the ability the ability to be either good or bad Uh, some would say we are going to tend more towards the bad than we are the good Mm -hmm. so others will say no we're going to tend more towards the good than the bad
2: it's an old argument
1: but the very fact that we can differentiate between the two means we know there's conflict everybody knows there's conflict between good and bad two year olds know when they've done something wrong because two year olds can lie their little butts off (laughs) and they do it because they know they shouldn't have done whatever it was they've done yet they don't have the ability to truly reason yet. Right. So that can be an argument for yes, we are we are always going to screw up on the on the bad side. But the fact that we know these things and I, they show up in the stories we tell because that's part and parcel mm-hmm. of being human is striving against both sides because we're feeling like eh, I really want to be a little selfish, that's striving against our better nature. Right. When we're saying I can't let that happen, I've gotta throw myself on that hand grenade that's striving against our worst selves. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I, I think wow. film noir is you know, it's a great example of of doing that seeking that justice.
2: You yeah. know it encapsulates it well, which is what movies do. They take yeah. all this and distill it down into two hours. Uh, which is almost an, an absurdly ironic proposition <laughs> to begin with.
1: Can you really do that? But when you do it well, it resonates. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, you may use these these tired old tropes in, in new and different ways, but we all we, we recognize the symbolism, you know, that we recognize the elements because we are so familiar with them from our daily lives. And so it gives us that visceral thrill I mentioned, but it also gives us that satisfaction. Because let's face it, if the guy comes in and she, Barbara Sandwick convinces him, to knock off her husband and they're successful and they get the money and we're like well that's it I don't want to see somebody
0: get away with something
1: right especially if they're gonna get a lot of money because I don't have that money <laughs> right so yeah you know they we want to see that we and I think that's part of that that tendency to good is we know that when evil is done there has to be something to compensate And there's for a,
0: a catharsis to the confession as well.
1: Yes, it is, which is
2: very common in film noir. This is very different than the nihilism we talked about in modern cinema and stories today. This, that's, I think that's the bankruptcy of that approach that we're seeing because you hear of many of these types of stories where they just don't have that.
1: It's a reflection of the age. That's exactly it. Film noir comes from an age when there was a good and a bad, good and evil, There are specific right and specific wrong. We come from an age today where things are very relative. Right. There's a distinct moral relativism where your truth is just as good as my truth is just as good as Martin's truth.
2: And I have the ability to do it myself uh, despite you. Right. You wish to of not.
1: Hand in hand with that is, well, my truth is better than your truth and therefore you are evil. So it's a weird mix. It's moral relativism as long as you agree with me.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 right. And, and, and there's violence for violence' sake. Yeah, there's violence in film noir, but it's a a violence that tells a story. It and establishes it just the evil. Mass yeah, it establishes.
1: But also can be the justice. I mean, the justice doesn't have to be violence, but probably often is. Usually, the best stories are. The very evil that is perpetrated
2: directly leads to the eventual justice that comes about. Yeah,
1: I think that's probably true in almost every story. Well,
2: Shakespeare is probably the best one that you can figure it out because it's bloody obvious that you know there's a fatal flaw in particularly the tragedies. There's a fatal flaw carried within the person, the character, that leads to their undoing despite their attempt to do otherwise.
0: Yeah,
2: that's that's just good
0: storytelling. So we pop film noir. We've taken. Barbara Stanwyck and a towel.
2: Oh, you're going back to that again. And
0: then push that all the way through to Judeo-Christian ethics, to uh, moral relativism, to a sense of we covered all Testament. of human history today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barbara Stanwick's towel led us to a discussion of all of human history, and that humans are not perfectible creatures. Now, we not didn't on say, this. Earth.
2: Well, yeah, we did. We didn't go that far to say that. Now that's not. He saying, did. Yeah, well, yeah, he did. Uh, well, that's that's that is gets into theological questions. Are we the, the consequences of are we perfectible here? Well, maybe we are, maybe we ain't. But that doesn't mean we stop trying. Because right. if because once stop trying, that's very Calvinist. Be because if you think if I can't do anything about this, why does it matter? I either is or I ain't. Yeah, yeah. And there's
1: that, or yeah. uh, or it goes back to the you know it's also a very nihilist point of view, which we've circled in, back in that some again. ways. Yeah, um, we are not we are not perfectible in the sense that God is perfect, and and by that I mean this: we are not perfectible because at some point we have done evil. So if we have, then we can never be perfect because we've already got a flaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by our very nature, we have we are somewhat selfish. It is the great story of mankind, though, that we learn to overcome that selfishness. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a man a saint, yeah, or a woman.
2: We may not be perfectible, but we are always improvable. Yes, and that yes. is exactly, and that's and that's the battle There's that we have to grace
0: fight. in the striving. It, oh, absolutely, it, absolutely, there is no. So.
1: The Calvinists may not put it that way, uh, but yes. Uh, for, for us from our tradition yes there is grace in the striving because motivation is supremely important mm-hmm. because you can do the right thing for the wrong reason and go to hell for it
2: mm-hmm. well I, I'll, and i'll give you the i'll give you the best line of all from tennyson uh to strive to seek to find and not to yield that's really what we're talking about here is the the, the entire effort is worth the struggle even if we know we can it's like calculus it's all about limits you can never get all the way to the point you're going to, but you can get infinitely closer along the way. That's what we're doing here with the human experience. And that's the whole meaning of humanity. Yeah. The meaning to... to strive, to, to seek, to find, and not to yield.
1: I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, like that a lot. It goes back to, since you brought it up, original sin. We're always seeking to retrieve, to regain what was lost. That's... Actually, that's the heart of film noir <laughs> in many ways. Uh, Because we've lost something, and there it's presented as getting it back through justice. Yeah, it's restorative
2: justice and restorative justice. Yes, yes,
0: yes. yes.
1: Uh, But every other good story is about uh, the struggle for it. Not all good. Not all good stories end with a good ending for the hero. Uh, But doesn't mean they're not a good story. But that struggle, I think,
0: is always there. The struggle is ennobling. Yes. Oh, yes. And all the
1: trappings
2: that go with film noir, the black and white, the particular filming touches and things like that, they all serve this narrative. They're they're, they're all basically window dressing to bring about the issue that we're talking about here. What's at that heart of darkness in many respects that's there?
0: Yes. Part of what's going on in a film noir is because of the choices the characters have made, their future choices are starting to become limited and things are starting to close off on them. And the symbolism of the window blinds that's common in many of the films, where the, the shadow are, throw bars across the characters, that's emblematic of the character now is in a cell of his or her own creation. The, the ultimate irony, which we love irony. We absolutely love irony. That makes a great story when it's done well. So the characters become imprisoned by his or her own choices... And there's that box of humanity again, of, all right, how do I get out? Where's my struggle? Right. Where, where's and
2: sometimes it's I should have known better. sometimes they I were clueless and it, it all works.
1: Sometimes it's how is I you know, it's like what can it, what can it hurt? Followed closely by how was I supposed to know? That's right. Yeah. That's a lot of the human condition for on a
0: day- to- day basis. You're exactly correct on that one. Yeah. Yeah, a statement of are we trapped or is humanity trapped and the answer is well we're trapped in imperfection but that's a really broad room yeah it, it's a really big space mm-hmm. so there's still there's still ways to get out there's still ways to move around and be ennobled and to find grace the, yeah. Well,
2: yeah, we, the, the way is clear we may not be able to see the destination but we know the correct way do we always follow it
1: always I don't think know. we even always know it I mean I we, think should. There are we should we yes. should yes correct you know as far as the being trapped um, you talked about decisions uh, that, that the characters make cut them off from other decisions to a great extent that's true in, in uh, everyday life you know you, you have two job offers you take one and that cuts you off from that, that other one. cost yeah With the road is yeah, yeah, very good um, but in, I think in reality, you know, as far as the cutting them off to where you are boxing yourself into a negative end, um, that's not always true. Now there may be temporal, um, secular, uh, punishments, um, ultimate ends that you cannot avoid once you make certain decisions. But as far as the redemption part from what we believe, me, uh, uh, Francis and I for sure, and there's always up until the, the very last microsecond a chance for the redemption side yes so the choices and which is one of the things which probably why that doesn't work so well in the movies is that you can't have a guy do horrible horrible bad things for two hours in a movie and then the very last split split second before the end comes in he says i'm sorry
2: Oh, yeah. There's no place for redemption in film War.
0: Is that a fair statement? Uh, I think you're right. I think there there's not. Most of the characters are not redeemed in the examples we. And I think, think that's of. one of the reasons that. Yeah, but a ju- a justice is served, but there's not usually a coming out the other side, a better person kind of thing. That's right. a different sort of story. It, it
2: is, and that's why you call it depressing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why. Well, it, it's fatalistic. It so. Fatalistic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, And that's why it, it was not sustainable outside of the crucible that birthed it.
1: Well, and, you know, yes, because you're at an age in history where black and white is a very stark reality. Whether it's uh, the Allies versus the Axis against the Nazis, whether it's the West versus the Soviet Empire. You know, all of these things are, star- are either have happened or starting to happen more and more during this time period, Uh, and of course before the Second World War, you've got the misery of the Depression, Mm -hmm. which followed the euphoria of the 1920s, of the Roaring Twenties. So there's been some very stark ups and downs for a lot of people here. So those that were the unemployed that were living in the Hoovervilles and what have you, they're the ones that are looking for that justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I I think that is probably going to, to... you know, feed into that a very black and white, pardon the the obvious pun, view of how things work is going to be the operating uh, paradigm during this time period. So, film noir almost has to happen.
0: That's very well put. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we're at about thirty-five minutes here, so we're going to wrap up. But I want I want to leave you with this one thought. One of the things that strikes me about this too is. Uh, In film noir, it's very seldom that you're a victim of circumstance. Oh, okay. Uh, At least as I understand, and and the films that I'm thinking of, yeah, it's kind of Shakespearean in a way, right? Because you can't punish circumstance, right? You're always, again, you're a prisoner of your own decisions, right? So it's while it's fatalistic and it's borders on nihilism, but isn't nihilism free will? is at the cornerstone of this oh yeah
1: you could almost say it's an argument against free will because look what it gets you
2: well Uh, against disordered free will certainly
0: yeah it's just to take the example though of, of double indemnity the investigator has free will as well yes and he's using his free will to investigate and try to find out that, yes, this is a scam and we're not going to pay this claim. So, he's trapped as well, but his destiny is different from the the other two characters that are trapped by their decisions. That does border on nihilism a lot.
2: You know, that we're all just pawns. You know, Mongo is pawn in Game of Life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but... But it isn't because, in the end, he does the right thing. The investigator was right all along. Yeah,
1: they the, get what's coming to them.
0: Yeah, they get what's coming to him, to them. Uh, yeah, Oliver Sandwich Barbara Sandwich Stanwy- and Fred, Fred McMurray. Murray, yeah. And on top of that, the ending scene, though, is um, the investigator, the the guy that was right all along, lights a cigarette. And sits with uh, Fred McMurray's character while he's dying. So there's mercy as well.
1: As I say, this is one where you could almost say this is a film noir that does have redemption, because he confesses.
0: The confession has to be a big part of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. There is no redemption without confession. There's a confession basically in The Big Sleep. Uh, Lauren Bacall's character has to basically confess. What they've been up to.
1: Well, there's... Again, I'm not saying it's true for the big sleep, cause I, just as a general thing. Um, there's confess. There's confession born of repentance. But then there's also confession born of... Uh, okay, you've cornered me, now I have to admit it. That's not truly confession. Well, yeah. yeah.
2: Also, is, this, a, uh, is this, this just a technique for giving
0: exposition to the story or to give closure to the end? It's an important part of the closure, an important part of the justice. And the misdeeds have to be admitted to. That's a feature of the genre. Is that a story requirement or
2: is that a moral requirement? I submit it's a story uh, requirement.
1: No, I think it's both. It, it's, because yeah. it has you have to have somebody admit what they've done wrong for it to be justice. Otherwise, how do you know you're punishing the right person?
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: And I think I, like that. I think if we're talking about justice in in the way we have with this, you want to make sure you got the right person. You really do. You want to make sure you get both Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck, not just one of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. This has been pretty tremendous. Again, I I, I love this kind of thing where I, I kind of catch you guys a little bit flat footed and throw something crazy out to you. You have looked it up a little bit, and you came through with. You tied everything. From original sin to infinite mercy uh, to Barbara Stanwyck's towel. (laughs) I love that. I love that a lot. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher,
1: iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us.
2: And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.